B-G-N-A-R-L-E-Y Till I die <laughs> Mic check, one, two To the three, four, five Nick tunes up next with the podcast live What's up, Colin? Colin Bowman Brought to you by JV2 And today we are stoked to have A true legend join us And his name is synonymous With style, power, and innovation In the world of surfing None other than the Barton Lynch What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Hey, hold on. Let me get in the spirit of things. Give it a minute. Oh, the okay. Oh, snap. Oh, hey. snap. Yeah, I there think you're wrong, wrong holiday, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little early, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can you take us back to that one day? When you became a world champion and leading up to it, what you yeah, mate, uh, you know, it's a funny thing, life. In 1987, in the first seven events of the year, I made five finals and two quarters. So I had three firsts, two seconds, and two fifths in the first seven events of the year. And I was miles <laughs> ahead on the ratings. And the last event of the year was at my home beach of Manly in Sydney, Australia. Oh, and oh. I'm like, this is my destiny. I'm going to win the world yes. title <laughs> home in front of my friends and family. Oh, and then, and then I went to the after back-to-back victories. I won the U.S. Open, and Tommy Curran was the world champ. Then I beat him in the semis, and then we went to the Lackanau Pro, and I beat Tommy in the final, and I won back-to-back oh, events, yeah. beating him both times. I was like. This is it, mate. It's going to happen. The dream's going to come true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because I had that dream, mate. I wanted to win a world surfing title. And 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 then I went to the next event after those back-to-back wins and I lost first round. And I wow. never lost first round. And some things happened behind the scenes to destabilise me a bit. But um, And I lost first round. And then I went and lost again. And then everybody was coming up from behind me. And I'm thinking, oh, no, the, the dream was becoming a nightmare fast. Eh? And we went into the last event and there were like five of us who could have won the world title. Damien Hardman, Gary Elkton, Tom Curran, Tom Carroll and me. Um and I go in that last event and I make the final, but Damien Hardman wins it and he wins the world title and I have to lose the world title at home in front of my family and friends. And it was it was emotional, mate. It was I just I was so upset and I was so disappointed. And I just figured, hey, you know, that was it. That was your chance. And maybe you're gonna have to live with the fact that you ain't good enough. You know. <laughs> hey, Santa's helper. Yo, <laughs> <Santa>. <laughs> This is my boy Lion. He's nine years old as well. How old are you, JB2? I'm 10. 10, yeah. So he's kind of in your age group. He's been yeah. he's had a fever the last sort of 24 hours. He plays um, NFL or, or American football. And uh, for the for Laie Park Red Raiders, and he's been a bit crook the last couple of days. A whole bunch of people in the team have been a bit no. sick. Uh, yeah, ten of them in the team have been sick, so he's home, resting up, home from school today, and just cruising with his parents and and featuring our Gromit vomit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 as we get the Instagram. Oh, so, wait. 
so that first year that was a that was a that was a nightmare mate and it was really upsetting and i just was thinking to myself hey you might just have to learn to come to groups with the fact that you ain't good enough and that was your chance and you missed it and it was emotional so i went out on tour the next year and i didn't even really think about a world title it wasn't in my mind you know and i ended up making like nine semi-finals Oh, all, yeah. I just kept getting thirds all year. And when you've got a base of consistency like that, it only takes a couple of wins to shoot you up into contention. So we went into Australia and I won an event there and then we came to Hawaii and the last day of the year came down to pipeline. It was 8 to 12 feet, perfect as, as perfect as it gets. And I'm not obviously I'm in the race and I'm I'm kind of the underdog at that point in time. Tommy Carroll was the favourite and he went out and lost and Damien lost and Tom, I took out Tom Curran. That day I actually had Sonny Garcia in the first heat of the day and then I had Tom Curran in my quarterfinal and took him out. Then I had Luke Egan, I mean, Glenn Winton in the semifinal who was a really good pipe surfer and then that was the, that semifinal was when I won the world title and I got to trade manly two to three foot manly beach for eight to 12 foot pipeline and i was like good deal that one yeah. <laughs> and yeah. while, while it was something you thought was just terrible you needed i need to learn that i had to go through that experience for that following year to have the tools to be ready to handle that pressure and perform under it and then i ended up winning the world title of pipeline i was like well that was a fair deal but it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that was yeah, that was my childhood dream come true, really. Yeah, that's sick. That's <laughs> Wait, what like drew you into surfing and like how old were you? Yeah, you so I lived at a place called Whale Beach, which is on the northern beaches of Sydney, and my dad was a policeman and my dad was in the surf life saving club all the beaches in australia have these surf life saving clubs on them right and my dad was in the surf club president of the surf club and we went to the beach every day that's what he my dad's answer for everything if lion was like with his fever he'd be like go for a swim get in the ocean that'll fix you you know i've done that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so um where i grew up i started surfing when i, I was about seven or eight years old and um, and then my dad passed away when I was 11. And so, um, and I was surfing then, I love surfing. And my mum said, hey, we're gonna move to another town. And the town we moved to was near the city of Sydney. It was seven miles from the beach. And when you're, when you're 11 years old, seven miles are like forever, right? It's a long way and I'm thinking, mum's killing my dreams. Um, um, and I, I had to give up surfing because I couldn't get to the beach and I didn't surf for like six months. And then I started this new school and I saw some kids at the new school who looked like they surfed. And I was like, hey, you look like you surf. And he surfed, like, yeah, we do, we surf. And I'm like, where do you surf? Where's the beach? And they said, we go down on Tuesdays. Mum takes us. We go to Manly Beach. It's about seven miles away. And I was like, can I come? I can, can I come? I can surf. I promise I can surf. Let me come. And so they said, sure. And I got my board and I went surfing with them and I realized that I could get to the beach. But that led me to hitchhiking on the side of the road um, and getting in and out of four strangers' cars a day. Mossman, Manly, Manly, Mossman before school. Mossman, Manly, Manly, Mossman after school. Oh, wow. So, 
It was radical. So it was a, a wild life and a wild ride, hitchhiking every day of your life and getting in and out of strangers' cars. But I found the beach and I was able to get back to surfing and, and get my get my thing back on track, you know? Yeah, and that probably just made you better because you're like, I'm out here, I hitchhiked, and I got to just do my thing. Hey, you know what, too? When I'd get to the beach and the local kids that lived there, a lot of them were lazy, mate. Hey, they'd be like, oh, the waves are no good. The way, And I'd be looking at it going, I don't care what it's like. It just took me an hour and I got in, in some weirdo's car and, and now I'm, I'm here. I'm going regardless. So I would surf no matter what it was like. And I've never seen it too small. I never saw waves I couldn't surf. I could imagine myself doing something on nothing. And, and so it was, mate. You're right. It was a real, it was an asset. It was a really good thing that, yeah. that made me hungry, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as a former world champion and like a surfer, what advice do you have for um, like aspiring surfers trying to become a pro? You know what? All the only thing any of us have is time. Yeah, no one has anything but time. And how you use that time is what's going to determine the outcome. You know what I mean? So I, I think because my dad passed away, he passed away in a motorbike accident. And so he, he went to work that night. Funny little story here too. He went to work that night. He rang my mum and said, hey, I had the best day of my life today because, you know, we weren't a rich family, but my dad, um, as a policeman, he mowed lawns as well. He had a few businesses to pay the bills. He bought a little tinny, you know, a little uh, aluminium boat with the little outboard on the back. And, and he um, and his three boys went out fishing for the first time in the tinny because I have two younger brothers. So we went out in the boat and we fished and we caught little sharks and we had this amazing day, all just the boys hanging out, you know, in the boat. My dad went to work that night and never came home, mate. And so I, I woke up that morning, I was in bed asleep, and I remember hearing my mum crying and going, oh, oh, no, it's heavy. It wasn't like she was crying because the milk had been spilt or the toast had been burnt. You know, I could tell, mate, that it was gnarly, and I rolled over. I was too scared to get up. But that made me realise how important time is. You know, I was, my dad was 41, so he's only a young man. I was 11. And, um, and then as it turned out, when I grew up, when I was a dad with my daughter, Tamron, who's now 28, turning 29 in November, um, I was 41 when she was 11, just as, as life and the irony of life had it. And I was like, you know what? I've got to get past this year and then I'm on gravy. As long as I get past 41, I'm on gravy. And, and, and now I'm 60. And so I've I've had 19 years of living that my father didn't get to get. And so for you kids, for grommets, for anyone, mate, you've got to value the time. You've got to know how important every moment is and every breath and every chance you get to, to, to do something. And I see you, mate. I watch you on through socials and that. And we've known each other for a while now. And you guys are productive. You're purposeful. You're making stuff happen. And, and that's, you know, you're using your time well, mate. I can see that, whether it's snowing or whether it's skateboarding or surfing, you know, yeah. you're, always, you're always on some kind of board, eh? And I'm the same, mate. I'm 60 <laughs> and I'm still doing it. Yeah. So yeah. You, might, you might have plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, um, you know, it's funny. My mom is, 
My mom's 40, and I'm 10. My next wow. year, she'll be 41, and then I'll be 11. You guys will be the same as we were, but you'll get through. You know that that was just one of them unfortunate situations. And again, in life, you got to become an expert at turning negatives into positives. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like a, a yeah. skill you get, and when it's an attitude you can have, and how you can look at things. And and like the manly one when I lost that world title, um, as I look back at a lot of those things that are the worst moments of your life as you reflect you can see why they happened you can see the reason and you can see the positive and everything you know, i do believe in that saying that everything happens for a reason and it's all to teach you and help you grow and whatever you're going through everyone's going through their stuff everyone does and um whatever it is you just got to deal with it and be positive and see the recognize that you don't know the lessons that and the value of that thing when you're going through it you know what i mean you might think it's terrible i hate it um, but there's lessons that are being learnt that are so valuable in those experiences so you can't really judge them, you know. So judging, yeah. judging situations as good, and, good or bad is one of those things I've tried to get out of and just take them all as lessons rather than good or bad and judge them. Yeah. Yeah, just don't judge anything. <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we don't know, right? Yeah. Just, just yeah. do your best, mate. Do your best. Yeah. Oh, can you tell us? Some of your most memorable, like memorable moments from your competitive surfing career. Obviously, the the winning the Pipeline Masters was was a was a uh, and winning yeah. Pipeline and winning the world title that day that we talked about was you know that was yeah. the culmination of of years and years. That was the culmination of like fifteen years work. I might have started when I was ten on that program and happened when I was twenty five. Yeah. You know, so, um, but the one that, that really, really touched me and, and made it was the last one I won. In 1993, I won the Rio Pro. I had to think about it then. I was like, was it 93? Um, I won the Rio Pro, the Brazilian WCT event. Um, and I was at a point in my career where you start to think, like, maybe I'll never win one again. Maybe that's over, you know, and I, I won 17 CTs in my career. So that was, I'm happy. I'm very proud, stoked on that. Um, but the last one was at a point where I kind of felt like I was given up almost and I was just filling the numbers on the tour as an old bloke, um, you know, and, and maybe I wasn't going to win again. Um, and we that event I had a little magic spot and I, from the quarters to semifinals, I comboed all of those people I had in the heats, all three, my quarter, my semi and the final all needed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was at, at that point when I won that event, I think I was 33 at the time, I became the oldest guy to have ever won a CT event. Oh, wow. Kelly, yeah. Kelly, Kelly Slater has since expanded that to much older, <laughs> you know, much older ages. Um, but at that point in time, I was the oldest guy to have ever won one and it felt yeah. like that was a – I really, that meant a lot to me. I, I, brought, I just cried my eyes out after that. I was so happy to get one more win and, 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 and mm -hmm. become the oldest guy to win one. And yeah, it was that. So that one always felt great. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how did you uh, transition from a pro surfer to a commentator and a coach? That is a great question, mate. You know, when we did the tour, you know, today, well, when, when you know, today it's a multi-million dollar career. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like John John was what a three million dollar contract or whatever with Hurley making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Um, Forty years ago, it wasn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Did you hear something? What? <laughs> it sounds like Halloween. It sounds like a horror movie in the background there. Um, <laughs> Spooky. Might be taking over the lines. <laughs> oh, oh, the front door just opened. That's what it was. Classic. Yeah. What was the question again? Uh, oh, how did you transition from a pro surfer to a commentator and a coach? Yeah. Well, so we didn't make a lot of money. That's where I was going. There wasn't a lot of money around in surfing back then. And there was there was a lot of hassling in heats and fighting for success because there wasn't enough food on the table for everyone to eat. You know what I mean? It was like you were in a family and you got to the table and there wasn't enough for anyone. So you had to get in there and make you make sure you got some food. So the tour was a rough and rough place back then in terms of competing, you know. Um, yeah. And when I retired, um, I'd made some wrong decisions along the way too, trusted some of the wrong people, made all them classic mistakes like as a young guy who never competed for money. I didn't care about money. Um, when I was a kid, all I cared about was trophies. I loved trophies. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get more trophies and win trophies. And people would be like, is there money? I'd be like, no, no, is there, are there trophies? You know, because <laughs> I was more interested in that than the money. Um, yeah. when, you know, no one And no one told me in my life how important it is. To have, to have good financial sense and to be able to capitalise on these opportunities that life presents you and create freedom for the rest of your life off the back of it is the goal. Because, you know, while you – I'm 60 and I competed for 15 years, so it's only been a quarter of my life. Yeah. It's the most talked about part, but it's only a quarter. And so I was desperate, mate. That's how I created things. I, I had to – I didn't want to get a job. I didn't want to go work for people. And I've been offered some wonderful jobs over the years. I got offered, you know, to be the general manager of Hurley in Australasia. I got offered the high-performance coaching job at the Surfing Australia High Performance Centre. I got offered to, to be the Liberal sitting member for this blue ribbon seat of Manly in the, in the state parliament. I was offered all sorts of things over the years, dancing with the stars, celebrity <laughs> master chef, things like that over the years where I've just gone, I don't want that. Yeah. What I want is freedom and I want to be able to go surf. And so all I need is enough to be able to do that. And I don't want to have to be, I don't have to, didn't ever want to have to wake up and go do things for other people, build things for other people. I want to build my own stuff like you guys are doing with your podcast, you know. I want to yeah. build my own stuff. So the coaching business came out of that and really it was quite natural because really we'd sit there and watch heats. Oh, that's all I've done all my life was watch heats. So my mind's very tuned to competition. And I was very, while people were busy doing push-ups and stuff, I was using this. So there's a physical approach to your surfing and then there's the mental approach to your surfing and you're competing. So I was real focused on the mental side of it. So when it came to commentating, I feel like I know what the surfer's going to do. I feel like I know what, what's going to happen next. I feel like I have an instinctive, intuitive sense of what's going to take place. And I never, I don't rehearse. I don't have – I've never been to school to learn to speak. I've never – I just got in and out of all them strangers' cars every day and wanted them <laughs> to have a good time so they would pick me up hitchhiking again. 
<laughs> that's where I learned to communicate was in those cars with the strangers telling them my story, telling them what I was going to do. Um, and so I've always been independent and I've always been working and creating stuff. And Blastoff's one of those things too, you know. It was just one of those I knew I was out for six months and I was like, you know what, I want to do that. I want to create that. I want to build that. And so I've always worked for myself, created projects. Um, the, the commentary feels like I feel like I'm meant to do it. Yeah. Not not doing it and watching it at home and listening to it and watching it and seeing what they miss and what they're not talking about. I go, oh, no, I'm meant to be commentating this final. Look what just happened. They didn't even see eyes. Oh, and it really it's emotional for me not being there because I feel like I'm meant to be there. I feel like I can do a really good job of the commentary and I still have jobs with ISA and hope, hopefully doing the Olympic Games as well. So that's great to have oh, that yeah. channel while the WSL channel kind of closed down on me and I haven't been employed there for a while. Um, you know, still get some chances with ISA, so that's good. So commentary I love and the coaching I love and they both feel real natural to me. So good jobs to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I heard you um, mentioned the BL last off. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, this is a good story. <laughs> hey, JB2. When my... <laughs> When my dad was alive, the year before he died, he had the idea to swim from Palm Beach to Whale Beach, which is the two beaches where we live, and do an open ocean swim race from beach to beach. And, um, and he suggested it to his friends. And in 1974, they, ran, they swam it the first time, like 30 of them, and they swam this swim. And the next year, my dad died, and it became the Bob Lynch Memorial Swim. And it, it would, and still to this day, still to this day, that swim runs, and it, it's the oldest, longest-running open ocean swim race in Australia. Three thousand people swim it. It's it's the fundraiser for the Whale Beach Surf Club. That since my dad's passing, that swim race has sustained the surf club. And the money they make from that is how the surf club stays alive. And my dad, so I saw what an amazing thing my dad left behind him. I was like, wow, that is just, I was so inspired by it. And then I got injured and I went, I'm going to do the blast off. I'm going to run this kids event based on the classic Hawaiian Menahunis thing, but we're not going to score kids. We're not going to judge them. We're going to coach them. And people are like, you can't do that. I go, you watch. And so for the first three days of the physical event, we didn't score a single ride. And, and all of the judges as such were, were ex-professionals and coaches who'd watch the kids surf and give them a paragraph of coaching and that we video the heat. They'd go up to the Hurley Surf Club van, watch their heat on video and have the coaching notes explained to them by a coach, what you did right, what you did wrong, and they all surfed three times. So you would do that, come back the next day, do it again. Come, you know, get that coaching, come back and say, do it again. And then on the final day, say you had three firsts, you'd be on three points over those three rounds. Or if you had three sixes, you'd be on 18. And so over the, after those three rounds and everybody having three firsts, so it didn't matter really whether you won or lost, but the competitors, then we take the top 12 into finals day and have semis and finals in the divisions with the top 12 kids because they were the ones who wanted to win. And so we had this event that was kind of a combination of things. And when COVID happened, um, I went, okay, we're going to take it online. And we were able to do that transition to online and maintain, and you've seen, we've maintained yeah. the fact that we're for anyone. 
And it doesn't matter how good or bad you're not, you are. You know what I mean? The, the goal is to to be stoked on surfing, come together, submit the video, get the coaching, check all the other kids' videos, check their coaching, and learn from that resource of the coaching so we all become better at what we do. And then and then at the end of it, we kind of transition into that championship and divide the winners in uh, decide the winners in the age divisions and the categories and stuff. So it's the online version is very similar to the to what the physical events were, and we've ran them for 18 years now. This is our 18th year of Blast Off. And oh, so right. my goal was to have something that outlasted me and like my dad's swim um, was a legacy he left behind. I was hoping I could do the same thing with Blast Off and with Stoke and Grommets out for, for a month and having a good time, you know. So that's where it yeah. came from. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, yeah, tell them to tell them where they can do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, so wait, does the, where can everybody go on there and just check it out and stuff? So you go to bartonlynch.com to enter and to submit videos and to see the video gallery, the voting gallery, to decide the people's choice because the person with the most votes gets that people's choice award. And then we put all the coaching on the YouTube videos um, that the people have uploaded and then they use that link from YouTube to upload, as you would know, to, um, to, to bartonlynch.com. So just go there and check it out and support the kids. Yeah, everybody go check it out. Who else can they see? What? Who else can they see there? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I think I'm on there, right? Yeah, I'm on there also. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I just posted this morning. Um, well, I posted a couple of days ago a 12-year-old kid, Brody Mullick from WA. And that that that's what I love is finding these kids who you haven't heard of before. And you, well, I watch their video and I'm just like, whoa, whoa, ah. Oh, that's getting a prize. What am I sending him? You know, and I get that excited <laughs> watching them surf. And then last night before I went to bed, last thing I did was I just checked the videos. And Alessandro Doty, the he was five in last year's blast off. Um, and he was ripping last year. He put in his video six years old and I posted it this morning. And it may be I'm called excuse me, I'm calling it the very best any six-year-old has ever surfed in the history of surfing. Wow. There's, never, there's never been a six-year-old that has surfed this good. You wait till you see that video. So we discover talent, we send them prizes, we do the coaching, and that's what I, I like, just the surprises of meeting people. And, and this, you know, in the very first one we ran in Sydney in 2006, Tyler Wright won the girls' 14s. So every one of them Aussies on tour, Molly Picklands, Jackson Bakers, all those kids have all come through the blast off and I've met them when they're young and had a connection to them all the way through their careers, just like I'm doing with you, mate. Really? Yeah. You know? So um, we were the frothiest It's an amazing thing. It was never it's connected me with the youth. Um, you know, it's good for coaching because I, I know all these kids. Um, but it was never really that. I just wanted to emulate what my dad had left behind him, create something very cool. And there was a period of time when I was living in Sydney where the two biggest events every year in our area were my dad's swim and my surfing event. And I was like, yeah, bro, we did it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's totally awesome. Yeah. My mom wants me to shout out um, <laughs> that she was the – Frothiest mom award. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's my favorite part. I love your videos. One, because I love the way you surf and I can see, you know, when you ride a wave, when you ride anything, I can tell that it means something. 
You're not just doing it because you're doing it, you know, or because someone makes you or whatever. You're doing it because, like, you, you love it. Hey, what else do you want to do? Seriously. Yeah. In your life, if you can surf and skate and snowboard and live that lifestyle, oh, oh I have been for 60. And I've had to get creative and, and, and create projects and work to kind of liberate myself enough to be able to keep doing it enough to be able to stay capable at 60. <laughs> don't get any easier, Grommy, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And then you have me cheering you on, right? Yeah. And then and, we have my mom cheering back, us on. And that's what in the background of watching you surf and feeling it and I hear mum and how stoked and excited she is. I was like, oh, I love her. Good on her. <laughs> you, know, you, guys yeah. are living, you guys are living this as a family and it's it's just a wonderful chance to get creative, to do things, you know, yes. to create stuff. To yeah. make something of our lives, I always say that. You know when you go to a football game or a, a, a team sport game normally and there's kids on the bench and they're yeah. sitting on the bench and they don't get off the bench. Yeah. They don't get to play. They don't get in the game. That's I get so sad when I see that. I just don't like it. Eh? I'm like, let him in the game. And we as people, there's the chances of us being alive, the chances of our mums and dads having us and creating us and we're having a life and we're off the bench. We're off the bench and we're <laughs> that is a that's just a wonderful opportunity, mate. That's what I've always known. Like, how great is this opportunity to be alive and to do stuff? Yeah, So that's <laughs> what I love about your mum because I can tell she she knows that too. She senses that too. She wants to make the most of time and life and the moment <laughs> enjoy it as much as possible too. Yeah, you know it's funny. One time I was um, hanging out with one of my friends after school. Yeah, and. <laughs> Because they saw one of my Instagram videos, one of the ones where she was like, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, JB, your mom sounds like an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> the Stokas ambulance sounds okay. <laughs> <laughs> A frothing ambulance. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. She's still well, that, you know, That's what, for us, when we were kids, the word froth didn't exist, right? Froth. The word froth started with my generation, with Tom <laughs> Carroll, Ross Clark Jones, this generation of guys who were frothing. We were yeah. frothing. <laughs> and that became the thing. We were like, ah, oh, he's frothing. They go, oh, I'm frothing. And froth became this idea of just wanting to go after it, wanting to go get it, wanting to live it. And um, mum, that's why mum was the frothiest mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Woo. laughs> yeah. Oh, so... What do you think sets apart great surfers from good surfers in like, uh, in yeah. like skill and mindset? Yeah, I think desire. The ones who really want to do it, that they feel something in it that lights them up. Like I, I've when I I haven't ridden a wave really for four months. Right, I had I've had my spinal surgery six weeks ago, and before that, I was on a I had a month where I couldn't even get to my feet on my board. I try and I could couldn't get up, and I'm trying to figure what is wrong. I can't even get to my feet, and I'm getting angry at myself and thinking I'm just getting old. And then became apparent that I'd herniated the disc, and I was on my stomach on a mattress pretty much all day for two months. I couldn't could not get out of pain, and then I went and had the surgery. So I haven't been in the water since. The first week of June, and killing me, mate. So I killing me. 
So the kids that want it the most, the kids who are determined, the kids who, you know, are living in it, you got to live in it to um to be to 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 make something of it. It's not something riding stuff the way we do, standing sideways and riding boards is in my mind it's not something you can do part time. Yeah. You can't skateboard part time, right? You, you skateboard part time, you're going to eat shit somewhere along the line and quit. <laughs> right? No, I quit. It's too gnarly. And when I, you know, last February, 2nd of the 2nd, 22nd, I blew my shoulder out at the bonsai skate park here oh, and you. ended up and fractured my wrist and had that shoulder surgery and my wrist in a cast. And um, the amount of people that just said to me, um, Oh, I gave that up years ago. Oh, you're too old for that. What are you doing? You should know better. What are you riding that for? What are you doing that for? I gave up skateboarding years ago. And I was like, that's why I'm going back. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you, can't, you can't let the fear <laughs> dictate to you. And so desire, mate. Desire. If you, if you want it, then you get creative and you make ways to find ways of making it happen. And there's people. I, there was a great surfer called Richard Cram from Australia. He's known as having one of the best cutbacks ever, Richard Cram. He said to me once he wanted me to coach his son, and I said, does he want it? Does he want it, mate? He goes, he wants it. He wants it like he wants an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's a lot of kids that, well, everyone wants it. Right? Everyone goes, that's a great idea. Sure, I'll be a pro surfer or whatever, you know, a professional skateboarder or a professional snowboarder. Or, sure, I'll do that. But ain't that easy, you yeah. know? There's a lot of people. Yeah, you gotta you got want it like you want a million dollars. Like it's the most important thing. Like yeah. this next wave I ride is important, man. Let's go. Like you gotta want it. Like, like if you don't do it, then you'll just you you just die. <laughs> yeah, and you feel like you feel like I oh, go. What what if if I couldn't surf and ride stuff? There's a part of my if I didn't have kids anyway. If you have kids, you go. Well, I live for my kids. They're better than anything anyway. So as a father, as a parent, as a grandfather, you can um, you could let go of anything for your kids, you know what I mean, if you had to. But beyond that, I just think, well, what would I do with my life? What if I couldn't surf? What the heck, mate? What would that be, you know? It's hard to imagine. So, yeah, that's that's the advice, you know, want it. And, um, and if you want it really bad, um, then you've got to learn – there's a point in time in because I wanted really bad, and there was a point I had to learn to try a different way because the the desire and the trying from your mind and the desire to succeed and all of it up here, it can, when you lose because you spend most of your time losing first up, yeah, right? as, as being competitive surf. So you got to be able to bounce back from the losses better than others, and you got to carry no baggage because next day, next week, there's another event. There's no use getting too down. Learn the lessons, grow. Move on, you know. So it's not a job for for the weak hearted being a pro surfer, mate, or a skater or a snowboarder. You gotta you gotta be strong in the heart, strong in the mind, strong in the desire, take the losses and just keep getting back up and keep trying and you will succeed. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> can can you tell us a joke? <laughs> See. <laughs> tell him one way he's <laughs> You tell yeah. me one. Yeah. Let me tell you one while, uh, while you're thinking. Yes, please. <laughs> how many, how many uh, surfers does it take to chain a light bulb? I've got a good story about a light bulb. I'll tell you after it. 
but in, in my case, it takes an electrician. <laughs> but you know, this is what happened. Seriously, JB, my I finished tour when you were. I lived in hotels and accommodations for fifteen years, so my life was like this: home for two weeks, away for six, back for three, out for five, back for one, out for four, back for seven days, back out for six weeks, back for two weeks, out for eight weeks, back for one, even after for fifteen years. Like that, Jeez. on planes, on planes every week in and out, traveling the world. We used to do thirty contests a year, Whew. not ten like now. And so, yeah. <laughs> it was radical, mate. Um, yeah. So, so I'm gonna get. Hey, lion, <laughs> lion. Hold on. I, I'm wondering if he has a joke because I'm I'm just drawing blanks. I don't even know if I can <laughs> tell, tell right. the answer to you. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you the answer. Okay. So how many how many servers does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah. Two. One to turn it and one to say nice turns, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beauty. Did you make that one up? Yeah. I like it. So you, you know what happened to me? I'm at home for the first time and I've stopped traveling. I've stopped living in hotels because if the phone didn't ring in the hotel, I would I mean the light didn't work, I would ring the reception and they would change it. So I'm in my bedroom and the light bulb blows and six months later I'm still living with a lamp next to my bed and someone says to me, and I get an electrician in and the electrician changes the light bulb and goes, dude, you could have just changed the light bulb. I was such a dodo that I didn't even know to change the light bulb. <laughs> when it didn't work, I thought it was something much more complicated and I needed someone else to come and help me. That's a joke. That is a joke. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Have you got a joke for us? They asked me if I've got a joke, and I couldn't even think of it. Got a joke? <laughs> <laughs> we don't tell many jokes around here. We must have done. Didn't you tell me one the other day about a chicken hole? No. No. <laughs> no jokes, bro. No jokes around here. <laughs> we'll ask if they like pineapples. What? Oh. Well, oh wait, you got one? Oh, spell oh. I cup. <laughs> wait, what? Hold on, I didn't hear you. What? Spell I cup. I cup. I C U P. Gotcha. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. That was good. That was good. Spell. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh wait. No, never mind. No, that didn't work. No, I'm gonna, uh, no, he got I'm, you. That was never. Yeah, never mind. Oh, uh, but yeah. Tell me, got wait, you. do you like pineapples on your pizza? Mm -hmm. Love you know, pineapples. But do you like them on your pizza? Mm. I don't mind ham and pineapple, but not really. Yeah. More, more pepperoni. Yeah, pepperoni. Pineapple's gross. We pizza. love pizza. We were saying that the other day. Yeah, oh, good. So I wish it was better for you. Yeah. So you could mow it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to teach you the Grom and Vama handshake. Okay. Uh, this might be hard. Uh, so we got to go like boom. Here. Yeah. And oh, here, I can show you this random hand that just. Popped. Okay, we're going to do it here too. Boom, boom, boom. Ha <laughs> ha. So we go <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, you got any uh, like words of wisdom or for all the grommets or where they can follow you or anything like that? Yeah, Barton underscore Lynch is my Instagram. BartonLynch.com is my website. And, um, you know, the words of wisdom, I think we've already told them, like enjoy the moments, enjoy <laughs> every, every, you know, every moment you have is a good moment to have because there's people that don't have them. And now if you, if you're my, you know, you think of the world we live in and, and there's, there's warring nations going at yeah. each other while with, with these young kids, just children in the line of fire that they have no, no reason to be and no, don't even know why or what's going on. They're not a part of what, what is fighting at that upper level in life. So to be a grommet, to yeah. be free and to live this, you know, surfing, board riding lifestyle, that is the best teacher. That yeah. is the best opportunity. That's a great way to live and be able to do that with your family and travel to different places and experience different people, different cultures, different foods, and just share yourself with the world. That's what I've I've been able to do that. Yeah. You know, and at 60. I didn't think you'd still be surfing. There were no 60-year-old surfers when I was a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and now Kelly Slater's on tour at 50. So, <laughs> so she's a good long life and, it's, and, and you know, you've, you've chosen well, young man. You guys are in, in a good place and um, I'm stoked for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I see a trophy behind you. Oh, oh yeah. That one. That one. Yeah. big one. That no, big one. Oh, also a big one on this side. Let me ask you. Oh, look at that one. Yeah, massive. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Um, what do you like more, surfing, skating, or snowboarding? Right, I always get asked this. Uh, I like surfing, skating, and snowboarding all the same. Yes. Yeah. That's what that's what I always say too. I feel I the got, same way. Before we go, I got one more thing for you. Please, mate. Do you do you ever surf as Santa? Um, I have never surfed as Santa. I've been called the surfing Santa for quite a while now. And then what I got suggested was that at Halloween I should go as Papa Smurf. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. That's yeah. Tell me you want to see pictures of that. Because yeah, we got to see pictures of that. Post that on your Instagram. Yeah, that's super cool, eh? So, yeah, you yeah know, that'd be sick. That's I never had a beard before. I didn't know that this would happen. So this is a whole new experience for me at the same time, you know. So I've been yeah. called Surfing Santa a hell of a lot over the last year. <laughs> yeah. Worst things to be I've been called worse things too over the years. I guess. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's funny. But, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. i do it one more time. Yeah, let's go. Boom. Yeah. Boom. 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 <laughs> Ask him if you want to go surf, skate, or snowboard with him sometime. Oh yeah, we we, we got to go surf, skate, and snowboard together sometime. We hundred we hundred percent have to, eh? You yeah, know what's, yeah, happened, what's happened in the blast off this year is that the east coast of America has just dominated the first week and a bit. Yeah, yeah. You guys are on fire. The froth is high on the east coast. So I was thinking maybe <laughs> even next summer. I was thinking about maybe getting a 
like a camper van of sorts and doing an east coast what? and just oh. drive the coast and come and see everyone hang out and just experience what's going on over yeah. there That'd be sick. Yeah, it's been a long time. I did it once. I drove from Florida to New York with Sean Thompson on an Instinct Sportswear promo tour 30, 35 years ago. But oh, wow. I haven't been since, so I'd love to come visit you guys. Yeah, tell them where you're at, yeah. Virginia Beach. Yeah, where I, I live at Virginia Beach. Virginia, I've been there, Virginia Beach. Oh, you yeah? have? Yeah, oh, we went there the on that trip years ago. I remember that. Oh, oh sick. You know the West uh, do you know West Lane? I did, mate. We competed with Wes. Oh, West yeah. was around. West was always there on tour when we were there, and um, I met his son here in Hawaii last winter. Was over with Wes, and I haven't seen him in yeah. a long time. But he was a he was a master competitor and surfer. Oh, yeah. Tell him he's, he's your mentor. Yeah, he. Oh, uh, yeah, he works at um. They also work at Coastal Edge, um, which my is my sponsor, and they live like right. Yeah, they live at Croton. If you see him, give him a hug and go, hey, yeah. that's from Barton Lynch. He told me to hug you. Yeah. Yeah, I will. yeah I will, definitely. That's so Perfect. cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank that's you awesome. so much for coming on, man. Unreal, mate. It's been a pleasure. It's been great watching you guys <laughs> and uh, living vicariously through your stoke, and I hope I've been sharing mine with you and inspiring Absolutely. you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this is so cool. I'm Yo, gonna... we got to do this one more time before we go. Okay. Oh, what? Oh, hold on. Let's start again. Sorry. Oh, you want to ask him about Stoke Bloke? Boom, boom. It's off the record. Right? Oh, yeah. Jamie, Dad, once you ask him about Stoke Bloke, oh. how that's going? Oh, yeah. How's uh, the Stoke Bloke uh, podcast going? Oh, that's yeah. Sick. Stoke Bloke's going great, mate. I, I really, you know what? I really enjoy having the platform, the opportunity to talk, share your yeah. opinions, talk to people, all of that. Super cool. It's like um, the best name for you. And then the other thing was the, the Barton Lynch Pro Surfing video game that's launching November 17th. Oh, oh yo, I got to get that on my Yeah. I got to get that on my Xbox. We've been working. Yeah, it's Xbox, PS5, Steam. Yeah. We've been working on it for years, and it launches November 17th. Oh, I'm Perfect. definitely copying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, maybe when we hang up, I'll try and get you or send you the uh, trailer for that video game, and you can uh, – yeah, I'm please. Yeah, definitely. Tell them. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's something I should I should uh I should plug because we you know, yeah. we're an independent production. They're like blast offs an independent event and everything yeah. we do is kind of you know, we like to associate with independent brands. Um the game's an independent production. It's been a long, long production for these two brothers from Perth, Western Australia. And okay. um they came to me and said, Hey, we we, we're doing a video game. We'd like you to get you involved. And I said, sure. And they, and they said, we want to call it Barton Lynch Pro Surfing. And I said, hello. And I said, <laughs> and I said surely you can get a better name than me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, And they go, no, we're using the John Madden football, NFL football model. And he was a player and a coach and a commentator. And you're a world champ and a coach and a commentator. And yes. All yeah. of a sudden your name's on a video game. You're like, holy moly. Yeah, yes. awesome. At yeah, 60 like years Tony of Hall. age. Who would yeah. think, though, 60 years of age and your name's on a video game? That is a trip. That's amazing. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Awesome. It's so cool. I can't wait to play it. You're going to play his video game? He's going to be on the video game. You're going to see it soon. Yeah, nice to so. meet you. Can you say hi? Oh, his name's Skyler. Yeah, I remember Skyler from, I remember Skyler from last year's Blast Off. Yeah, you did the yeah. Blast Off, too. Yeah. One more. Yeah. Yes, one more. You're Come and warm it up. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming.
Paul Slam. Steel 10 toes with them high top bands.